And do some riders tend to be better at those dr driven emotions than others? Or do you find yourself having to put yourself in a mental state? You've done it so much. You already, you kind of know the job, but do, yeah. you, do you, like, is there certain riders that they may be better for an empathy or something, you know, or does a rider understand it's a reversed engineer uh, machine mechanism, not so much emotionally attached, or maybe that was what you had in the beginning, right? Maybe you had those emotions to the book, but maybe you don't now. Uh, it depends on the subject matter, right? So it's like, you know, writing a book about sales is probably not going to make you cry. <laughs> you shouldn't. Anyway. Depends, which deal, depends which deal you lost. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, um, you know, it really just, it's all subject matter driven. It's author driven because there's a reader for every author and there's an author for every reader. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back for another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. And I'm super excited about today's episode with Gabby Garrett. She's a journalist who's published over 700 times, two personal time author. Most people don't actually write their own books, but also has published 54 books for other people. And this one I think is pretty awesome. Helped 128 people find their voice. What is up, Gabby? What's up? I'm happy to be here. I'm excited that you're here too. We, um, we met uh, because we had a mutual friend. With that, I'm going to start right here. What was the first book you wrote or was it journalism first? Journalism first. It was journalism first. So the first article I wrote, great question. It was actually in college. Um, I wrote an article for Tiny Buddha in 2016, I think was my first published article. Um, and it was about how we can spend time alone and not need validation for peace. And what was that? I, I, this is actually probably interesting is because um, as we kind of were talking a little bit earlier in the, in the back room, um, what happens to you as a writer um, when you take on these articles and or an article that you put in, for example, the one that you had just talked about as yeah. a writer, what happens to you as a writer? When I'm writing in my own voice, typically what happens is like a deep self-discovery. So it's more like um, I'm more like a detective, like understanding the human experience and then scribing it so that people don't have to go through what I went through. Um, or if they are going through it, they have a guide. I really see myself as like, I know I'm a human, but like, I don't really feel like I'm from this planet. So like, I feel like I see things differently and I describe them in a way that helps people. Are you Elon Garrett or Gabby <laughs> Musk? <laughs> no, I just truly feel like, like since I've been here, like since I was born, like I just felt like I was like, I was, there's journals of me being like six and I'm like human, seem to chew gum, seem to feel this way. Like I've always just been studying it. That's really interesting. So it's like, um, it's kind of a really interesting topic because it talks about kind of superpowers, right? Yeah. And one of the superpowers that, you know, mine is not really writing, but if I were to have somebody give me the breakdowns of what I need to speak on, I can actually anchor those in my head, get in front of a set of people and I can roll through those and kind of get through it. And everybody's like, wow, right. how'd you do it? I'm like, I anchor them. So is it kind of like that for you? Like, do you have these anchors in your brain that connect? And then once they connect, they start to create a story. Is that kind of a process that you go through? Yeah, great question. A lot of people have unique processes for writing and unique processes for speaking, right? Because I think it's all an art. Like, it's just the way that you create your art. When I'm writing an article, I don't write it till I can see it. So like, I'll see it completed. And then from that point, I just fluidity throw it. Like, I don't really always know what points I'm going to hit. I just know it's time to write once I can see it. And so like, I think a lot of people look at book writing um, as a big fear. Yeah. Would you say that it's like up there with public speaking? Does, do those kind of connect? I don't think people are afraid to write a book. I think people are afraid to write. I think people are afraid to... <clears throat> I think the thing that happens, people are afraid to write, period, just like people are afraid to public speak, but they're afraid to put something permanent. They're afraid of the permanency of a book. <clears throat> oh, because it the, because ultimately um, books are the only thing that kind of is a copy that stays with us. Your voice stays and it continues. So you yeah. think that the, the pressure 
of longevity is like, this is who I am. And we attach ourselves. You think that, so that's kind of what people are afraid of. I think they're afraid of fucking up and not being able to drive to everyone's house and pick it up and take it home. Like, like they're afraid that like, so imposter syndrome is a huge obstacle to becoming an author because an author is an expert. An article writer is an expert light. A book writer, like, okay, on the scale of expertness, it would be like TikTok, Instagram, sorry, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, podcasting, podcasting and YouTube are probably equal. And then like above that would be an article and above that would be a book and above level with a book would be a speaker. I've never said that before, but I truly believe that like, it doesn't take a lot of expertise to post on Instagram because someone calls you out, you just delete it. And furthermore, you could delete your entire profile and an article can be taken down, but a book and a speak, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it makes people feel like, do I really know enough? And like, Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. So like, it's great and not so great when you're a ghostwriter. Cause like some people come to me like ready to go. And some people come to me and that scares the fuck out of them. And I never hear from them again. That's true. Yeah. They know, like when people work with me, their dreams come true. Like if you pay someone, it's going to happen. So like arbitrarily, if you had a fear of painting your house and you hired a painter, like you might have them come into your home, but like, then you're like, now I'm really going to have to paint the house. Oh my gosh. So when, when we look at this, this was kind of, I, I liked the conversation of what fear is attached to, to actual like books, right? It sounds like it's like a lot of people have this fear of what they're doing. Would you say that that's not true? Because there's millions of books that only unless you kind of, especially in today's world, only if you really kind of market it, are they going to find it? Do you think there's a yeah. little bit of that? Yeah. And some people don't market it because of the fear. So like, there's so much unraveling you could do about success in general, but like, you know, some people don't have a lot of Instagram followers or don't have a lot of views or don't have whatever, because they don't actually want to be seen. So the same would apply for a book. If you don't actually believe what you wrote was worthy or magnificent, or you think it has typos or all of those fears will creep up and like desecrate your potential for success. Did you go in? And I think this is super important because it's like, we all go through certain stages, even though you went through it. What was your feeling when you were like, okay, was it, I'm, I'm going to write your own book first, mm-hmm. or did you get somebody to write a book? And then you were just like, let me give this a shot. What, where was that position in your life? And from what I just heard, that was probably five years ago, maybe yeah. even. Okay. The first book I wrote was for a man named Sydney, who was a real estate, is still in real estate, a real estate investor. And basically I would meet with him we would do like a one-to-one interview and then I would write. So he kind of taught me the process as he knew it because he's had two ghostwriters prior to me. And then I wrote my own book called Kicked Out of Therapy. Oh, Kicked Out of Therapy. Mm-hmm, that was my first book. So I wrote that six months after finishing Sydney's book. And then I was talking with one of my clients, Sharon, and he was like, he paid me a retainer and he just always gave me random shit to do within the retainer. So he was like, hey, for the next four months, write two chapters you know, with the money I pay you. And I was like, okay, cool. So hmm. I just took all of his content that he'd already created and wrote his book. And then I didn't write books for a while. Like I wrote Sharon's, I wrote Sydney's. I didn't do anything else with them. And then I was working for a man who had like a really big coaching company. And he's like had a ghostwriting arm of it that wasn't hmm. doing anything. And then we moved from like a modest house to like a really nice house in, the, in a country club. And so I was like, can you do more with that publishing thing? And can I do it? And he was like, sure. So I started making a third of what I charge now, but in bulk. So like I went from, I think I went from at that point, I think I had doubled my income in like 15 days. And then I had 12 times it in six months doing this. Got it. And then that's how you kind of found like, wait a minute here. Did you have like an aha moment? And you went, wait a minute there's a lot of jacked up people who want to get a book out. Right. And it was probably like, wait a minute, this is my, this might be where I position myself. Is that kind of how that took play? I just have always pivoted. Like if like in the past, like, so from the business, my main objective from the business from the beginning was to make money. It's not that anymore. Um, I have a new, I have like a new objective, but I pretty much just went where the money went. 
And that's fine. I think your first business is money where the money goes. And then now my ultimate objective is for me to be the author. And so whatever I can do to fund that so that I have enough creative space to write the book is the objective. So whereas I will limit my expenses to get like, to have a couple really easy contracts, um, which I don't think I have to do. I mean, I could have three easy contracts that pay me more and still live my regular lifestyle, but I would do that in order to be able to write and grow my brands. Like to answer your question, like, I think whatever the main objective is, the rest falls in. And at that point, the main objective was to make a fuck ton of money. So this thing was perfect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then all you got to do is write the book on how to make a buttload of money. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, so like, I mean, and then, then once I bought everything I'd ever really wanted, then it was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it was like dismantling that, which was difficult. Because when you have 54 people who have your personal cell phone number and then you don't want to do it anymore, but they still do. Um, I mean, it's a breakup, right? That's what a breakup is. Yeah, I sound brokenhearted right now. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, it wasn't easy. Like, I mean, it's been a year since I did that. And um, I chose to pay back a third of the contract. And so I'm still paying that back because it was more valuable based on values to me to, to not have that money, to not have these people in my life. Yeah, I think that that just in business in general, and I think people that are on this podcast, it's about business as well. And I think that kind of what you're saying is you didn't want that hanging over your head. Mm -mm, it was awful. I mean, like to like you a bit off more than I could chew. And then I didn't understand the business philosophy. So I paid people to do the work. But then I never had a meeting with people say it wasn't going to be me doing the work. And so there was just like a misaligned expectation after misaligned expectation. And then I overpaid people to do the work. So I wasn't making any money off of it. So I was resentful. So I was burnt out. So I mean, I could definitely teach people how not to how not to do that. My situation was super unique, but not unique to entrepreneurs who were scaling. And I scaled really fucking well. I had no clue I knew how to scale like that. I scaled like a boss. But then I was like, ew, I don't want any of this. Yeah, because I would think like, unlike a product, like if I were to have like a, a ring or whatever right. the heck I had, right? Whatever. If I have that, you can emo unemotionally be like, eh, it's just a product. I'm probably going to leave it in the garage for six weeks anyways. They're going to forget about it. But you have an emotional attachment if you actually have to write. So actually writing it, you're also attached to going, oh man, this is not right. So you, you're literally, yeah. in, you're in it with the product. Right, right. So you can't scale yourself, right? So I didn't have a method. I didn't have a service driven. I didn't have, it wasn't just marketing that I was scaling. It was like me as a ghostwriter. So like imagine, I just imagined like the multiverse, like me as like 54 me's and like, it's impossible to scale, mm -hmm. scale yourself. You can't scale your genius. You can't outsource your genius. That would be my key takeaway. Yeah. And because you, you have charismatic personality, you got to go find that personality. Then you got to right. like, have the skill set and then have it. I think that that's probably across the board of business as well, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When people bottleneck, bottleneck in that scenario. So if when I you... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. If I started a ghostwriting business without my name on it, then yes. But because it was me as a service provider, no. Because the transaction, we say this nicely, is a corporate transaction. And basically... Right. If it was like the... If no one ever knew I was even attached to it. Yeah, because then it would be like, we took on 10 books, 20% are returns. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you work through lead generation. And then as you flow through that, you're like, hey, we, we book 10 books a quarter and we can produce eight of them. We already know that two, it's almost like a hedge fund, right? You basically yeah. like, you know, that two are going to fail. They're going to be pissed off, but hey, move on. We're going to collect the money and move through. And that... I mean, there's a part of that I would say pissed off, but that's business, right? I mean, there's a part of business that has that mundane sense to it. Totally. Did, you find, did you find yourself like being drawn to certain personalities? You know, I know that we, you know, you and I had talked and then one, one of the things that you had talked about, because we we're talking about doing a book, you know, for yeah. our move 30 and things like that. And one thing I thought was kind of in our conversation is you're like, I meet with people and you're like, I don't know if I was even, you even said to me, you're like, I don't even know if I was planning on telling you no. And, right. I, yeah, and I, I was like, you ain't going to tell me no. I'm just kidding. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, but, like, yeah, it has to be something I want to know about. 
in that case, then yes, I will write your book. But if I don't give, if I don't care about what you're, because you're essentially teaching me and then I'm describing it for other people. And so if I don't care to learn, then I don't want to take it. When you look back, what was like, one, what was one of the best projects that you were like, I could write three of these books. Like which ones may take you into series? Like, is that, the, is that a word? Yeah. Um, that, I don't think it's a word. Executives who have done crazy cool things. I really enjoy because I love business. Um, so I love the story of it. There was a guy who I wrote a book for who went into organizations and scaled sales teams. And surprisingly, that one was very interesting. Um, I have one client who I just adore and like his thought processes are genius. And I really love working with him because you couldn't pay to get this guy to be your mentor, but he's mine. You know what I mean? And like, he pays me, so it's perfect. But like, to me, it's like, um, you know, like some of the best articles I wrote were like when I interviewed the founders of APL or when I interviewed billion dollar earners. And it's like, I got to spend 30 minutes with this person. You couldn't pay for it. So it's like my job to absorb the knowledge and ask questions not only I want to know, but the readers would want to know and then mm. relay the information. And as I kind of go through this, um, mm -hmm. there's a little of that process through doing a podcast. You know, it's like, I, yeah. I, I tend to get people in, in that scenario. And I'm like, what are some topics would be super cool? And then how can I attach yeah. it to, to listeners that kind of play through it? That's got to that's got to take you down some like crazy rabbit holes because, you know, you're like, do you find yourself overwriting or how do you find how do you actually look at a book and you go, I know we had we were talking was like seven or eleven chapters or something. And you right. were like, this is seven or eleven. You already knew you were like, look, this is an eleven chapter book. This is whatever it was. So that's just right. your instinct through experience, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, how, how did you find yourself? I guess we the word would be like a governor right? Because you, you seem like a got like a really good heart. So it's like, you probably could just keep writing. Like you could just keep going. Like, where does a governor in a book say, look, that's enough? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think it's an intuitive ability to relay the information without over and relaying the information. Like, have you ever read a book where they just keep saying the same thing? I just read a book. <laughs> and shoot what's his name green um 48 laws of power 50th mm -hmm. 50th law yeah um, ed green echo green echo green right yeah um i think it's echo green um but i just i just finished his 50th law and that's about 50 cent in his um story combined mm -hmm. with um like people that go through fear and he talks about 50 cent and i'm i'm going through his books like 198 pages and I'm literally like, he's like, he got shot. And then like, I'm in like four more chapters. And then it's like, he was in the car and then he got shot. And I'm like, we just did that. Right. You know? exactly. And it was almost like he kept rolling through. Is that a, is that a, I'm assuming there's a little bit of reason behind that. So that it basically kind of really embeds what happens, I would assume. But is there a reason for that? Or is it just trying to put filler? I think it's poor writing most of the time. Um, if it's autobiographical like that and they've already said it, but if it's if it's methodological, like where you're trying to teach someone something and you keep repeating, like there's intentionality and then there's carelessness, right? So like mm. um, if the core principle, so basically when I go to write a book, the, if the core principle of the book is to teach you about 50 cents life then I would tell the story in chronological order and then tie principles to it. Um, so if I was to revisit an event, I would say, like when I told you about blah, 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 or you start to lose trust. So it's just like being drunk with someone and they're like, tell, you're like, I already fucking heard that story. I don't want to hear it again. I fucking <laughs> felt like that. I like, and it was, yeah. really, it was a weird feeling because yeah. I was, I was reading the chapters in different spots. So like I was out here in my backyard and I was like reading through it and like, it was like, right. wait a minute. But, but the other part I read like on my couch and then another time it showed up, I was like reading it while I was going to bed. And I was like, is this totally hitting me different? And I think like the yeah. word of like feeling drunk is exactly that. I was just like, yeah. am I, am I crazy here? Or did we not just go through this? And all you did yeah. is say that he shot nine shots through his body. But last time you just said he just got shot. So I felt that's a really interesting way to think about that. That's, yeah. <laughs> 
Hit with a few shells, now he walks with a loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the hood, when they say, you know, 50, you hot. You know, anyway. 50, you hot. Oh, well, that guy, like, his story is actually pretty crazy. Um, uh, he talks in the book, just ironically through the whole thing though, is he says he was one of the most calm guys he's ever met. And you're like, that's crazy. It's just like, you wouldn't think it'd be 50. Yeah, you would not think that. It's interesting. I mean, like to know, like, I think this might be a question people are probably wondering about, like, well, how do I know if I have a book? Like, what if I'm just going to keep repeating myself? And like, the answer is everybody has a story. It's just knowing when to tell it. So like an autobiographical memoir before 40, no. Um, unless you, unless you're, um, whatever, Mark Zuckerberg, then sure. But unless you've done something like extraordinary, if you've never been on TV, um, don't write a, a memoir. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like if you've never been interviewed on MSNBC or CNBC or no offense, no one cares about your memoir and you might have the, but you can, write a self-help memoir with your own experiences, which are my favorite types of books. So you, you write the self-help book and you use your own life as examples. But if you only talk about your own life without prefacing it, you look like, just like being drunk at a party and only talking about yourself. Like you want to- I was gonna say, it becomes more ego-driven than it is application or so. It's a, yeah, you want it to be applicable and relatable. And so like my first book is self-help memoir. So. Kate's out of therapy says like, I'm going to use stories from my own life to drive home these principles. I didn't have time to call you and get yours. <laughs> and like, it's very comedic, but I feel like I did a good job with it. Now, did the book sell a ton? No, I was 26 years old. And I wrote a self-help memoir. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no, it didn't sell a lot. The, the, the meat of the book is still really good. Um, but I, but like you either can write about your business principles, like I was telling you, like if you have IP, if you come up with something new, yes. If you, like I could write a book on how to write a book. Yeah. Right? Or like I could write a book on, the, you know, you can do whatever you want, but like if you're gonna get a real publisher, like if you wanna go big and do the whole thing, then you need a concept and you wanna be the living embodiment of the concept. And most of the time you have been on stage, you would have shared that story. You would have kind of had an audience that also can attach that they want the book um, to play through. That's, that's, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Are you, are you a major note taker? Yeah. Um, I am. I naturally am a scribe, but like, yeah, like yeah. for example, with my new book, I am becoming the living embodiment of it. And I'm talking about it all the time. So I'm talking about it not the book itself, but the concept. So I'm talking about the concept continuously. You don't necessarily need to tell people you're writing a book. Um, you know what I mean? But you can talk about the concept. And then I'm going to write articles about the concept so that a publisher is attracted by the concept and reaches out to me. So basically you cre you're creating the buzz and the energy mm -hmm. and you're basically getting out there and being an evangelist of your story. And then yeah. that starts to make sense because you kind of got, in a way, you uh, maybe this maybe this is right, but it's almost like the trailer before the movie. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't release these little trailers, and then they read the book, and they're like, "Oh, you already talked about that," but oh, there's a little detail that now I like the book better. Is that mm. maybe the flow? Yeah, it's really like a publisher is looking for a good marketer with a good story with a good concept that will sell books. So self-publishing is different. Self-publishing is you thinking you have something great to say and you giving yourself permission to sell it. Typically what will happen is the book will come, then the speaking career will come. I don't usually see it reversed, but it can. Because you'll use the book as a platform to become the speaker. Got it. Because you're, yeah. You, and not only that, your book tour is actually a lot more fluid because you then are the embodiment of what that is is that is that why presidents usually wait until like their late 60s to do their memoirs because they're like and maybe i'm wrong but i i, I think it just seems like we hear that when it's more or less like in their 60s like okay now yeah. i gotta write my memoir right is yes. that the reason because they can't write it why the experience is happening correct like could you pay for you could pay for dinner in the middle of a meal but why would you you might want some meals <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like Dolly Parton just wrote her memoir, right? But um, Amy, wait, Amy, Amy, whatever the comedian was, Schumacher. Uh, 
Yeah, she wrote Girl with a dra Lower Dragon Back Tattoo when she was like 32. Yeah, she you, you girls liked that book. I had a, I had a, I had a girlfriend. Oh, she realized she was like, that's the funniest book. And she's like, you should read it. I was like, probably not going to read it, but you can give me the clip. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> and Tina Fey, Tina Fey wrote her book when she was like 39, 40, but she was on TV a lot. You know, people wanted to know, like, hey, that's what I was saying. The exception to the rules if you're on TV. Would the exception of the rule also be by early experiences in the same subject? So, for example, if like um, your, your subject is, I'm going to like a, a dancer or a boxer. Yeah. And you've yeah. boxed since you were eight. And then now you're going to be like, I, I'm now, now I'm 28. I've been in a hundred fights or I've danced this many times. It, it has, I think what I'm kind of getting from you, and I think other people get this too, is like, you've got to have enough ruts through the story to actually make it exciting because the younger you are, the more, I say ego, you're not really at a place to say, and man, that was my fault. Like you aren't really at a place mm -hmm. to kind of pull, mm -hmm. what would the word, not ego, but maybe it is, but you're not willing to share your vulnerability in truth. Yeah, yeah, you haven't had time to digest it. So you don't know what it all means. I talked to somebody, it was probably a year ago, and they were talking about like a book and things. And the one thing that he said, and I think it would like, it was scary, but it kind of makes sense. is like, when you start to write your book, don't show up halfway. Like mm -hmm. if you come and tell the story, you gotta let it all out. You've gotta let the whole thing out. And I thought that was pretty intimidating because <laughs> you're like, I don't know if I want to tell that. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I want to talk about that. Yeah. But, I think, but I think it was basically saying, be prepared to be vulnerable. Right, yeah. I mean, just like, it, like back to the party example, like if you were, someone said, hey Gabby, how was your trip to Mexico? Like, you wouldn't be like, <laughs> like, you would be like, it was great. But you don't have to say like, one morning I got in a fight with my boyfriend. That's not the story. Like, the story is like, we went to fly and we went to swim with dolphins and we had this beautiful dinner. You can leave out the bullshit. You're not lying. You're just not, you're just choosing not to focus on the negative. Oh, that's true. Do some writers, empathy, you know, you've got, optimism do some writers tend to be better at those dri driven emotions than others or do you find yourself having to put yourself in a mental state you've done it so much you already you kind of know the job but do, yeah. you, do you like is there certain writers that they may be better for an empathy or something you know or does a writer understand it's a reverse engineer uh, machine mechanism not so much emotionally attached or maybe that was what you had in the beginning right maybe you had those emotions to the book but maybe you don't now uh, it depends on the subject matter, right? So it's like, you know, writing a book about sales is probably not going to make you cry. <laughs> you shouldn't, anyway. Depends which deal, depends which deal you lost. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, you know, it really just, it's all subject matter driven. It's author driven because there's a reader for every author and there's an author for every reader. Yeah. What are some things that people should look at in, in, in searching out, and now obviously this is a plug, but <laughs> but if you were just to say somebody in that conversation, you know, you yeah. even, we had the conversation, it's like, hey, you're not right for me. What are some things that, of anchors or fundamentals that Johnny, Mike, Sally, whatever, they get to that, they're like, okay, I'm ready to go. What should be those fundamentals? Because, you know, even if we had a discussion and we yeah. were talking and we totally vibed, you know, for days, we were just talking and vibing. Yeah. And that probably is important but I also then get off uh, the phone with you and then next thing you know, I'm in a meeting or something and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking I may look at doing this and this person's super cool. And the immediate thing is, well, what is it going to cost? Da, 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 da. And then the next thing is, well, we can get the book done a lot less expensive. We can put it out and go from there. It's there's this like um, conversations with you felt like life. And then oh. I felt like I was transactional in the other conversations. Yeah, right. Totally. I mean, it's kind of like getting a house that's built by a builder who builds hundreds of thousands of houses. That's what it's like going to a marketing or like a, a scaled out company. And then when you go to a solo expert and you go to like a boutique firm, it's like now you're going to get an artisan built house. Like you're going to actually know who's working with you. And so like 
I'm not the most expensive person in the game at all, but I am, to me, like the reason why I would say like, you'd be insane not to hire me if, if it was right, is because like, I'm a good writer. And like, if your biggest fear is writing the book, then having an award-winning journalist write your book should eliminate the fear. So like, you know, like average ghost written book is 45,000 to 100,000. And like, I typically stick 15 to 21 because to me, like that's enough for me to show up and do a good job. Now, later in life, will I change the price? Maybe, or maybe I won't do it anymore. But like, it's just, you know, pricing in general for businesses, whatever you can get behind and whatever you're gonna show up and do the work. Because if I ask you for $45,000, I could still show up, I'd be fine. I'm used to making a good amount of money, but like your expectation is now so high that it's like, that's like, now I, now you're going to freak yourself out and you're going to freak me out. Whereas on where you're just spending 15, 20 K, like we really are. So like, yeah. you know, so I just stay in that price range now because, but I guess I just don't want people to show up like, ah, I've just spent my, you know, whole first year salary on this person. Like, no. And then you feel that tension and then you and I don't to want to show up for that. No, that's why I always I tell you're cringing. Like I could just see it in your body. You're just like, I don't want I don't want to, but then again, if like, I live in a pretty affluent area, if one of the people over here was like, will you write my book? How much is it? I, I would probably be like, they're 45,000 and they'd be like, okay. And then I wouldn't feel weird at all. And that's my own shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, also find, own. you find your flow and then you, you find also the people you serve. And then, you know, you, all of those things combined, you know, your personality, you know, I actually care. You have all those things. And then it also, I would think it also, there's a trust factor that comes in this, which is probably yeah. huge. And so you find yourself kind of going, if I can decrease that, that trust pressure, and then they're, they're like, cool, this is awesome. Yeah. This, and then it's not a money thing. It's a deliverable yeah. thing. Exactly. Huh. And it's like, I'd rather write three books for three people at 15 than one at 45, because then that person's going to be like up my ass. <laughs> How many? Like, that's interesting. Yeah. How many people come back? You know, I'm not going to spill the beans for Mikey Lucas, but how many people come back to write a second book? Because I would think that your LTV would actually be much longer because you could probably say, you know, hey, this is the price. When we start getting our second, third book, we can package it or whatever that is. So you're yeah. probably you're not out of the money because your relationships are there. And I would right. assume that you already know the subject right. and you're like, I already know how they talk. I can spit that out in half the time compared to the other one. Cause now that's yeah. interview. Did I, did I do well with that? Yes. So my clients don't leave. So high, high level clients don't leave. You know what I mean? So like that's not a, that's not an absolute statement. Yes, people leave, but like I have a client who came to me for his first book. And then after that, we did a PR spin. And then after that, we wrote a second book. And then after that, I write an art, two articles for him every month. So the lifetime value of this customer is like, well, <laughs> and it's so easy. He's like my favorite customer because he trusts me. He always pays his invoice on time. He's quick to look at the work. I can't tell you how much I hate working with people who hire me and then I send them things and it goes into a black hole. So during the sales process, like if you don't answer me, like, and you, you always answer me, thank you. But if you don't answer me, like to me, I'm like, well, now I can't work with you. Cause like, this is going to take forever. Like there was a man that was referred to me and I was really excited. And he's like, I'll call you back tonight. And then he was like, stalk me if I don't answer you. So I didn't feel like stalking him, but you know, I follow up like a boss. So then I'm like followed up and I'm like, I wrote him an email this morning. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, good luck. Cause I, I can't hold space for you. I was like, I was like, Gabby's a ninja. Are you, we had yeah. talked on the phone and then I was like, all right, you know, my, my good vibes were all there, you know, a, a mutual yeah. friend. And I'm like, this is all good vibes. And then you sent me an email and I'm like, okay. And the next thing like, all up in my boxer, I'm like, what? You hit me in every angle possible. I was like, how can I get rid of Gabby? I can't. <laughs> She's got every piece to my life. So the next thing I was waiting, I was disappointed, I'll be honest, because the next day showed up and I was like, she's probably going to be knocking on my door, but I opened the door and you weren't there. But I'm saying, but it was it was classy. You know what I mean? And it, you, you, keep it, you keep it fun and keep it there. But I could see that that probably happens because of fear 
as it well. does that's why i have a follow-up process like that because i know it's intimidating i want people to know that they have somebody in it with them and yeah. at the same time like there is it's not even usually like sometimes i don't even need the contract um it's more to me i hate the unclosed loop like yeah. i hate it when people don't give me an answer it's so disrespectful to me um and i try my best never to do that to someone else like because it's like no one asks you to hold space. It's like, you're welcome to meet with anyone you want. But if that person's given you the gift of their time, then you owe them the response to say, yes, no. So I could control the process better. I just forget that I, I forget this. <laughs> and then I'm like, damn, I wish I would have controlled it better. Like, cause I could say at the end of the call, like I only go straight two books a year. If you want this, I need to know in 24 hours. If not, I'll never talk to you again. And I'll burn your house down. Talk to you later. <laughs> Just kidding. But like, I don't control it. Why do way. I believe some of this is true? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I really don't control it the way, but here's the thing. When I don't try to control it, it works out great. Like I talked to a startup this morning and they were like, you should like, basically this startup is called hops.io and like they match experts. So like you could get on hops for three hours and make 300 bucks if you wanted to, just cause and you could just help people. So like, I'm like, well, maybe I, maybe I would do that. Like, you know, it's not really like my normal hourly rate, but to be able to help companies or people who are struggling with my expertise, like maybe. So I'm a better glass of wine tonight. Yeah, just chilling. I mean, 300 bucks, I could just be like, like just shopping money. So then- I need some gas money. Get on for yeah. an hour. <laughs> but if you work for them for three hours a day, you would make like $6,000 a month. So I was like, eh, that's pretty easy. Anyway, I don't ever, so I, I met with them and they were like, yeah, would you rather just like be on our marketing team? And I was like, all right. But like, see, I didn't force it. I didn't push it. I just, when I don't do that, things are so much smoother. But when I like, it's just like dating, right? I mean, like when I remember my own rules, things are better. But I get yeah. so excited and I'm like, it I feel is, like we're already working. It is because it's like, that's the same. Like somebody comes in your life and then you just like, where the yeah. hell did you come from? Like, and the next thing you know, you're, you know, it reminds me of my girlfriend. Next thing you know, it's four years. And I'm like, what the heck happened here? It's just things, left, right? Yeah, you're just like, whoa, what, what just happened? But you're not like trying to, yeah, I mean, that, that probably is a philosophy of anything. And also it's a philosophy of good contracts. Like, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, but, but also you've fair play. You've established that confidence to be in that position. Yeah. So like, yes, all my business is typically referral. And so like, it's just that I don't feel like it in the moment to say like, this is how it goes because the person's in a vulnerable state, it, it's like a science, right? But it doesn't have to be a science because when it's really aligned, the person will call you, they'll pay you and they'll start working with you. Well, the science is happening. It, it, it's, it's happening for you. Yeah. It's like, the it's like your nervous, their nervous system has to get used to you. And so like, mm -hmm. if I really wanted to like manipulate the process, I could show up less Gabby-like mm. and I could not overwhelm their nervous system. Yeah, don't do but that. I, I don't give I, a fuck. Probably, yeah, what's that old saying? Uh, you be you. <laughs> you but be I'm you. Not gonna, I could read a script and be like, hello, you have reached me, the ghostwriter. And then I'm not gonna do that though, because like, I just think it's fun. Like I like meeting people. I like hearing their stories. I love it when it works out and people want to work with me. But if they don't, like I have a course and it, the course is amazing. I mean, it'll literally teach you everything you need to know. And not everybody has 15 to $21,000. So mm -hmm. totally go buy the course, do it yourself. And it's like, literally, even if you take the course, like you get to have a call with me. Like I'm here to get books out. I'm here to get yeah. stories out. What's your, what's your, let's say uh, it's five years from now. What, what, where, where's Gabby? Mm. Ten years. Where, what, what does that look like? Five years from now, um, I am living on the water, and yeah, and I have a family, and I'm. Where, where's that water? Side. It's important. Oh yes, um, either the bay where I live now, um, yeah. or like the beach in South Florida. I'm on the water. We have a family, and I'm writing my second book, and my audience and readers are at two million. Very specific book, very, um, yes. two million in revenue. No, I have 2 million readers. So I'm probably- 2 million readers, more. got it. I'm probably making much more than $2 million. But, and then um, 10 years, 
Um, let's see, I have pivoted from self-help to fiction and my books are being made into movies. And, and my kids are like so cool because their mom wrote the new Harry Potter and everyone's like, I can't believe that's your mom. <laughs> well, what I've heard though, is that when you become that writer, the, the kids actually say, that's not my mom. My mom's <laughs> No way. I, They're going to be like, that's my mom. No, they don't. So I was just watching this thing and the re I'll no. solidify this. And this person is respectable. And then you'll say that this is great. He goes, it's Mike Tyson, a big Mike Tyson fan. And he goes, he's in his podcast. And then one guy's like, so what about your kids? What are they thinking? I mean, you're freaking Mike Tyson. You know, and he's like, they think that I work for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, I believe you. But I, I have, I'm, I'm pre-paving. I'm pre hey, maybe you have better kids than he does. How about that? I like that idea. You have better yeah, kids. Mine are going to be obsessed with me. <laughs> well, you can write, you should write the help, the, the self, the book for them. So then as an elementary, like this is how you treat your mother. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'll just, I'm going to make Chris one first, my boyfriend, and then I'll, I'll beta test him. Oh God. Oh, Chris. Poor Chris. You're in, you're in for one. <laughs> living with me is like living with Oprah. So like, I don't live with that. <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh. So I think that um, a lot of uh, book writing is, is if I were to kind of pull it back to the, to the structure of what people go through and kind of recap yeah, yeah. and fill a couple of these answers, the intimidation with the right person is null. Yes. It's just like dating. When you're on a first date, you're naturally going to be nervous, but it's the right match for you. The second and third are going to feel fluid and then they're going to move in your house and never leave. That's exactly what it's like working with me. Oh yeah, because you take the book and you put it in your house. Yeah. And you, never leave. you just keep working with me. Yeah. You have a and, new and then the other one, I think, I think the other one that I was kind of getting from you is that um, timing is important and position yourself um in front of the book is in, is very important as well mm -hmm. you need readers so you know what i mean <laughs> mm -hmm. because um, does it work the same and i know there's distribution but when you when you look at i was just actually watching you know they were talking about how to create a movement and it was about it was about um uh tesla it was about apple it was about facebook all those things and a movement is actually created by finding one person and then that one person understands your vision and that person brings somebody in and brings somebody in. Would you say that the majority of books, I'll give you a great example. This was the other side of this. Um, maybe I just answered my own stinking question, but I'll go for this anyways. But do you think that that is the formula of like, if the book's good, then your marketing doesn't have to be as crazy. And I'm only bringing up Alex Hermosi in his book. And mm -hmm. he has that hundred million dollar offer. And his thing was, I want to write a book so good that just people tell other people about it. Now, to think he didn't right. market, probably not. I mean, you have a marketing background. You're not going to do that at all. So I don't know if that was. Right. I feel very like, okay, so with my new book, it's called Chillsiety. So the marketing is, it starts with the title. Like you're going to pick it up because you either think it means chill anxiety or like I have chilling anxiety or like I'm chilling with anxiety or I have anxiety when I relax. So you're going to pick it up and be like, what is this? So marketing starts with the title. It doesn't matter who you are first. The first thing is the content of the book. Second thing is, are you the right match to the book? So like, do you embody the characteristics like we were talking about? So yes, you have to market. Yes, you have to do all those things. But sometimes the book, the book is bigger than you and that's when it takes off. You just get to be the- Vehicle. You just get to be the lighter of the candle. Like to, to be honest, that's the best book. The self-publishing world is what I'm what I help people do. And also that is more of a building ground. The big, big, big books like that we all know and love that have just like the four-hour work week made Tim Ferris. Tim Ferris did not make the four-hour work week. And I think I heard somebody also say, like, and this is something I think that you're going to back this up is that when you're writing the book, people mess up thinking they're writing it for themselves. No. And yeah. really what they're doing is they're really writing it for someone else to yes. be able to adapt your story and then connect their dots to how they can apply it. 
Did I do okay there? <laughs> the first time you write the book is for you. The second time you write the book is for the reader. If you write the book the first time for the reader, you'll you'll have the judge voice in your head the whole time. Got so it. the first time you write it's for you. The second time you write it's for the reader. That's that's how I roll. What's expectations on people that start a book? So th I think this statement would be like, hey, my expectations of doing this. What's expectations on time? What's expectations on um, what are some things they should expect when they're getting it that triggers them? This is going to be a good book. Or I guess the other one, first one is time. I've got the wrong author. Hmm. What do you mean? Like, do you, do you go through a couple chapters and then people are like, hey, man, you're talking, this isn't even this isn't even me, you know, what, Oh, like you, you wrong story for you. Yeah. Like, you're just like the author's writing it and you're like, dude, we're way off is do people get to a place? And I know the way you structure, it's much different than anybody I talked yeah. to. Yeah. No, like you, you allow people to get off the train, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. I don't, I haven't ever had someone come to me and they had the wrong topic. I have had people come to me that have nothing to say. And that wasn't me that, and on board of them, that was my past partner. Because if you have nothing to say, I would I wouldn't write your book because I'm gonna end up writing your book. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna have to fill in all your gaps. And the other thing too, I think was like kind of nerve-wracking because I'm like, this is something I was thinking about. Like if I didn't write it, then would I remember like when they're like, hey, on page number 27, and you start doing this, and I'd be like, okay, you know. Who's gonna do I, that? People always say rare shit like that. Like you know, there's so many authors who have done, no one is going to attack. Oh, yeah, I'm so good. People always you know, Who's going to do yeah. that? Who, who is this person that's going to have so much free time that they're going to go T-Mobile on you? <laughs> but like, who's I don't know. I'll tell you this much. My yours and yours get thicked all the time. <laughs> they a fix complete, my <laughs> imagine this, a complete stranger feels so validated that they're going to go to an author and tell them they're wrong. No, when you read a book, the author's immediately on the pedestal. Therefore, you don't feel like you can just attack this pedestal of human. You're reading their book. Nobody feels like they could do that. I don't know anyone who feels like they're like, this person is just the worst. I'm gonna get on the internet and just, yeah, there's trolls, but there's trolls everywhere. Mm. I've had nothing but love when I write because I write with love. I've never, I, I mean, I have been, there has been probably three million eyeballs on my work and I've never gotten a hate mail. Oh, really? Yep, ever. Well, in, in your track record of time. So far. If I'm you ever get one, it looks like you're, you could go another five years. <laughs> I, I'm willing for people not to like me for more people to see my work. Are you? That's like the journey you have to go on. I am willing for people not to like me for more people to see my work. So what's, uh, Who's Gabby? What's Gabby's hobbies? As we kind of bring this thing to wrap it all up, what's what's Gabby's hobbies? What what what's I like to read? I literally spend all my time reading and writing. I'm such a dork. Um, I'm an immersive artist. I read, I write, I listen to speaking, I listen to training, and then I help people read, write, and train. I'm an immersive artist. It's really what I do. Like if you saw me out, like having wine, like. The typical conversation is straight up going to be exactly this. Like, I'm a student of life. Like, I don't really change much. Like, it's not like, I mean, the, the one thing that I do that's not productive is I like to watch The Real Housewives. <laughs> Other, I mean, I'm fun to hang out with, but truly, I'm deep. I'm deep as fuck. I'm not really. This is just. You know, I always, and, and I think that like it's important to have that skill set because you really get to know people, right? And when you actually get to know people, you create friendships for life. And I yeah. think that through your art, I think what I'm getting from Gabby here, and we're, we're going to see how they can get old of you. But the thing that I've kind of got from this conversation is that this has become your art. And so as yeah. this becomes your art, it also is the thing you've embodied. And it sounds like most people can't say this, is you found the thing that you get to do for the rest of your life. And I think that that's a gift. The gift of Gab. The gift, thank you. The, the gift Gabby. is... The gift is this, and then the gift is also like, you know, walking away and telling my own story. Like, I love telling other people's stories. I will always advocate for other people's stories. I'll always find a way to teach people how to do what I've done, and I won't always be doing it for them. Did you, so grow, up in it, did you grow up in an environment like that? 
<laughs> yeah. I, what do you mean? Like that I had to do other people's shit for them? Yeah, it sounds like you were like the student <laughs> in class and I'm like, I'm probably gonna get kicked out, but can I can I get the can I get the notes? <laughs> um <laughs> I, I was worse, I was voted most likely never to get married in worst case senioritis. No. <laughs> I Why do they know. tag people so early? You know, it's like they tell them right? so early in life, like, you're not going to do this. You're like, wait a minute, I haven't even made it out of 18. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will always have, I will always have two feet, two hands in my whole head in books. Just the way that I do it will differ as I go. Well, Gabby, you are awesome. Um, I get people on here. I meet some of the best people. I've genuinely blessed, like, people come on and so many times, like, things just come out and it, it like flows. So I, I've, I've enjoyed having you as a guest. And I would tell you that, um, you know, we've talked about doing a book here. We've discussed it. And I don't think I can get rid of you. So I think I'm there. But, <laughs> ultimately, but ultimately, I think that what I'm sharing here is that I think it's your consistency. And I can tell that through now getting on podcast. And, and I think that's super important. So if anybody's at a place and you ever have openings, uh, Gabby does cut off a certain amount a year. So that means that she can actually give you herself an experience. I think that's super awesome. So how would they find you, Gabby Garrett? Go to GabrielleGarrett.com. So it's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E-G-A-R-E-T-T.com. Um, that's how you find me. There's a contact form. There's tons of my writing. There's the book club course. There's examples of books I've written. And then if you feel like you're ready to go on the author journey, like Jason said, then you can reach out to me and we'll see if I'm the right person to get you there. Well, you're awesome. Gabby, thank you so much for being on the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. It's been an amazing episode. I think we probably gone, could have gone for another hour, but I respect <laughs> the time and I appreciate it. So with that said, thank you so much. This is another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. And because I already talked about him and he brought me to you, go back and listen to Mikey Lucas's podcast as well. We got to loop the good people around. Thank you so much, yeah. Gabby. You're welcome. And buy Mikey's book, Ghostwritten by Me, created by him. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.